And it's Music 316, and this is Monday, October 12th, Columbus Day. Although maybe it should be named after Leif Erikson, who came before Columbus. Or maybe it should be named after a Chinese sailor who may have come before Leif Erikson. We don't know the answer to that question. But since we're on China, we won't cover Columbus or Leif Erikson. We'll continue covering China in this part of the course. And before we go on to Buddhist music, I want to show you one more thing about the Qin. You've probably been wondering why I bring this thing up here every day. And it's because I've been dying to show you another version of Wine Madness. And let's see, where is the eject on this thing? This is a brand new player. Try that. Wine Madness, or The Drunkard. Why a different name? Well, let's hear a little bit of it. That sounds different from the wine madness that we've been hearing, doesn't it? Let's listen to the one that we're used to. Here's the wine madness that we've heard before. other version. Go back. So how are those different? Besides the fact that that one was played on bigger speakers, so you hear the instruments sounding lower sounds. And this is playing on little tiny speakers, so it sounds like the instrument is higher. But it would sound the same if you played them, or pretty much the same if you played them on the same speakers. But what's different about these two versions? Different Sorry? Different arrangement of what? Different arrangement of the same melody. No, he's playing the same melody. Well, yeah. Um, well, yes and no. And then the, the rhythm is different. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's a little more obvious. Um, do you... Don't you think it has faster I'm sorry? It's obviously a lot faster. This one is... 
you know, and the other one's da 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 da. So there's quite a bit of difference in the tempo or the speed, but how is the rhythm different? Does somebody somebody have a, um, an understanding of that? Yeah. Time signature is different. I'm sorry. What did you say? The time signature. The time signature. What's a time signature? This is not a class for music majors, so. The way we write the rhythm. Yeah, and maybe the way we play the rhythm too. Sure. So what's the time signature? I mean, how do we how do we write the rhythm? What's different about it? A triple meter in Oh, does this repeat in three beats? Can you show us? Here. Let's see if it... Did everybody get that? One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, come on. Two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. If you can't count to three, you can't be in this class. <laughs> Try that. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay, now again, when we hear the player playing. One, two, three, 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 come on. One, two, three, one, two, three. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay, I knew you guys could count to three. Now let's see if you can count to four. This is the test that really determines how, how far you can count. You got to three. Can you count to four? Two, three. Oh, it's slower. It's so slow and relaxed. You could almost forget but there are different numbers here. Yeah, it's definitely four repeating beats, four beats that repeat 
after each other, kind of slow. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. But this guy is going fast. Let me slow down a little. Oh, because he's getting to the immortal vomiting sound. Can we send him back to the beginning? Boy, that's fast even for immortal vomiting sound. Now, why doesn't the stupid thing go back? Oh, it says it can't go back. Why can't you go back? Thank you. One, two, three, 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 one, two, three. So it's all the same notes, pretty much, and it sounds like two very different pieces of music because this one is so much faster and this one is one, two, three, one, two, three and the other one is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And that makes a lot of difference in how the music sounds. It makes such a difference that you hear Chinese players argue about how to play this piece, and some people say, no, it should be relaxing and sort of dreamy like that other one where the guy is feeling better and better and looser and more relaxed as he drinks his wine. And another player says, no, it should be madness. It should sound like he's mad. Woo. It's a different kind of a feeling. And out of those two interpretations over the centuries, have developed different interpretations of what this song is about and or different stories about this music. So that one story says, as I told you, that this is a scholar, musician, government, government official who is relaxing on the weekend, sort of a TGIF concert for himself in his room as he sips wine and as he sips another glass of wine and another glass of wine he gets more relaxed and looser and happier and so forth and so on. And that is kind of the, the, the kind and gentle interpretation of this. But then there's another story about this that says, no, this guy is really an alcoholic. He's a drunkard and he likes to get drunk but mostly he's lazy. And he doesn't want to work very hard. So when the boss comes around at work, he pretends to be drunk and acts like he's so under the influence that he walks around and crashes into things and breaks the furniture and spills the ink all over the paperwork and um, stuff like that and really screws up um, his job until the boss tells him, well, go home and sleep it off. Um, and so he gets out, gets out of doing any work. So one story then is a kind of a, um, a, a, a humorous 
ironic um, uh, part indulgence and um, part a rueful self-criticism of, uh, of, of what can happen as, as uh, part of the official's life. The other, the other one is a moral condemnation of what can happen when um, people surrender to addictions and to laziness and a, um, a, 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 a much harsher criticism and a, a, a critique of the things that can go wrong in life. And you can get both of those interpretations out of the same piece of music. Now, why is that? You know, most music you could interpret in different ways, I suppose, but it's, it's, it's kind of hard to make a, um, a love song into a song of war um, or a um, funeral dirge into um, a song of joy. I mean, if there are things that mean something to musicians and, and to listeners, it's kind of hard to turn around and get the opposite meaning or feeling out of, out of the piece of music, but it can be done and it has been done by musicians in all cultures. But there's a special element to Chinese music culture that makes it easier to do this. And let me show you what that is. Over the many centuries that Chinese music has developed, and remember, wine madness comes down to us from about 1800 years ago, almost a 2,000 year old piece of music. Um, one of the things that has enabled old music to be preserved and to be performed generation after generation in China is that Chinese musicians invented written musical notation a long time ago. And just as they invented writing for language to be able to write down their words and to record the words of ancient poets and historians and uh, writers of all kind, so also they invented a um, form of musical notation to be able to write down music and to be able to remember music from the, from the deep past and be able to play. So let's take a look at the music that, uh, musical notation for the beginning of Wine Madness and see how it's used, how, how a player plays from that musical notation. So here's the beginning of Wine Madness. It starts there. And back to the beginning. Okay, that was the beginning of Wine Madness. And let's see if we can go back there again. You all got that, right? You can read this notation now. Let's 
see if we can go back to the beginning of that. There. Now he's going to go back to the beginning and play it a little bit different. He played those two notes faster the second time. Same notes, but he played them differently. How can he play them differently when they're written down exactly the same and he's playing from the same notes? Well, let's take a closer look at this musical notation and see how it works. So we'll go on then to, um, here we are. Here are two notation symbols. This one says the left hand thumb presses down on the seventh stud. The stud is actually those white dots on the chin. You push down on the string and see the right hand index finger pushes D on the fourth string. That's a number four, that's a number seven, and that is, what number is that? Well, some of you know anyhow. This is another one to a, an open string without the finger um, pressing on it. The right hand finger, middle, middle finger pulls on the first string. There's a number one for the first, um, for the first string. So what this is doing is describing which fingers you use uh, both to, to pluck the string and to um, push down on the string to change the pitch. Um, and how you do it, with which finger and what kind of a direction you pull or you push, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, what that's what that's going to do is give you a sound. Now the notation itself doesn't show you the sound; it doesn't show you how high the sound is or how low the sound is, and if you have seen Western musical notation, you know that it shows you how high the sound is or how low it is, depending on where it is on a musical staff, those groups of five lines that you see up there on the board. If it's down near the bottom, it's a low sound. If it's up near the top, it's a high sound. The, sound, the sounds go up. Da, 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 da as you get toward the top. The Chinese notation doesn't show you that about the sound. It shows you about your finger and where and how on the string. And if you know the instrument, of course, then you know what sound that's gonna make. But the notation doesn't tell you that. The notation tells you how to get the sound. So this is a notation that shows you what causes a certain kind of sound. You can think of it. And the Western notation is one that shows you the result. Western notation doesn't show you how to play the note, what finger you use, or what string, or what hole on the flute, or anything. It just tells you what the result's going to be, a high note, a low note, or one somewhere in between. Now, the other thing, and here, let me just give you a simple example of Western notation. So you've got a sound down there, and you've got a sound 
here, and the sound here, and the sound here, and the sound here. Da, 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 da. You get higher as you go up on the staff. But also, this shows you notes that are longer and shorter and shorter still. So it shows you a rhythm. Da, 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 da. They get half as long as you change the shape of the note there. So it shows you a rhythm that you have to do it in. The Chinese notation doesn't show you a rhythm. It doesn't show us, it shows us which string to pluck. It shows us what to do with our left hand to that string to raise or lower the pitch. It shows us what kind of a movement to use on the string to produce a certain kind of a sound, a pushing or pulling, hard or soft, sliding or not sliding, etc. Et it shows us all of that kind of thing. But it doesn't show us how long we make those notes. So, and it doesn't show us how we group those notes together into patterns. And so it's quite possible for a player to look at the first three notes of Line Madness and say, oh, I'm going to play those da, 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 one, two, three, four. And another player to look and say, oh, I'm going to play them one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, like that. And neither one is right or wrong because the person who writes the music leaves that up to the player. The player has that freedom to decide how to put those notes together. One person can say, oh, I'm going to play it slow and relaxed. Da, 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 da. The other one says, no, I want it to sound like he's mad. I'm going to go da, 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 and really rush through it and make it sound hurried and nervous and out of, out, out of balance. And the player has that freedom. The Chinese player has a lot of freedom to interpret the piece because the Chinese player doesn't have to follow the directions of the person who wrote the notation as far as the speed or the rhythm goes. He's able to do that according to how he thinks the music would sound best. The Western player has to follow the rhythm and often the speed that the composer of the piece wrote into the notation. So he doesn't have as much freedom that way. He may have some freedom to speed some things up and slow some things down, but often the, um, the, the speed and the rhythm are as much a part of the written piece as the high and lowness of the individual notes. So in that way, the Chinese player has more freedom. The Western player has more um, rules to follow, more guidance, more information from the composer about what the composer wanted 
as opposed to choices that the performer can make. But what else does a Chinese composer tell the, um, the, the Qin player when he writes a piece of music? Well, he might write in to a note something that says, this one should sound like a bird stepping across hot sand, <laughs> trying not to burn his feet. And this one should sound like a duck landing in the water. Nice, soft, gradual kind of thing. And this one should sound like dry leaves blowing in the wind. And this one should sound like water flowing down a rocky stream bed, and so forth and so on. And you get all of this poetic information, all of these aesthetic effects written into a piece of music that the player is supposed to follow. And this is where the composer, Chinese composer gives the player more information than um, than you can easily do in Western notation because we just don't have birds walking across hot sand or ducks landing in the water in Western notation. We have a few words in Italian that try to give us a feeling of, of, of how the piece should sound, but they, but they don't go anywhere near the detail, the depth, and the breadth of detail that a Chinese composer can communicate to the player of a Qin. And so because of the unique features of the Qin notation, the players can interpret a piece in a very different way from a Western um, instrumentalist interpreting a piece from, from a piece of Western notation. Does that make the chin a better instrument? Well, maybe for some things. Maybe, maybe a chin is better for wine madness and all of the uh, different attitudes that, that uh, people can take to wine madness. Maybe a chin gives you a broader range of appre appreciating how ducks land on water um, than uh, Western notation does. I don't know. Maybe Western notation gives you a better feeling for um, for doing something one way and not doing it not doing it other ways. It's hard to say. These are different musical systems. They developed in different ways for their own reasons, and they each have their special advantages and their special beauties. Um, and our task in a class like this is not to. Um, uh, to uh, decide which, which is the best system, that the chin is better than um, Western instruments or vice versa, but rather just to appreciate some, some of the special features of the chin and its music, with which uh, most, most people in the class are probably less familiar um, than other instruments and other kinds of music that they know better. Yeah. Uh or is there a different musical notation for, for different instruments in China? Yeah. Like, okay, like each instrument has its own uh, specific notation? 
Um, yeah, there was, I, I'm sorry, the two chins would have some? No, uh, different instruments. Different like, instruments, yeah. You can play the same thing on flute and guitar, like, or the same sheet of music, you could uh, play, but it seems like that this, the notation is really specific to the chin, to playing the chin, like where you place your hands. Yeah, yeah, they're, abs they're, they're, they're not absolutely different because, um, in fact, I showed you the numbers embedded in the chin notation, the number of the finger, the number of the string, uh, the number of the position on the string, etc. Et, et and um, many of the Chinese instrument notations were developed on the same principle um, of using numbers to, um, um, to represent uh, strings or fingering or other kinds of things. But when you transpose to another instrument, um, for instance, um, uh, one of one of the um, uh, uh, early adaptations of chin notation was uh, uh, a notation for the flute, and because of the way you play the flute, um, the uh, the numbers for five and six became transposed. So, um, um, what would have been note number six on the chin became number five on the flute, and it looks like it's upside down, and if you didn't know, you'd be playing the wrong notes because, because the numbers mean um, different notes. They have, they have a different outcome. Remember, this is, this is a notation of causes, not a notation of results. And using the same fingers on a different instrument might, will probably give you a different result. Um, so yeah, the notations were adapted to different instruments in different ways. Um, in the 20th century, the, the traditional Chinese um, notations were um, um, replaced in many um, contexts, and um, especially in schools and, and um, government um, music ensembles by a different kind of notation, one that uses um, Western or Arabic numbers instead, like that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one. Um, and that was a notation system that was actually invented in France um, in the 18th century by a philosopher named Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And it spread gradually around the world um, between the 18th and the 20th centuries. Um, and so you, f you f find many um, publications, music publications from the, um, uh, the People's Republic of China uh, with using number notation and um, of course um, also Western notation has spread in the Chinese um, schools and conservatories, especially, especially for the study of Western music. So. Uh, there have been a vari variety of notations um, used in China um, over, over, over the years. Well, that's maybe enough about the chin. Now, <clears throat> the chin is perhaps in, 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 in many people's minds, both um, um, Chinese and non-Chinese, the, um, the 
deepest symbol of Chinese music, the instrument that most strongly represents Chinese music. So for instance, um, I had a composer from Shanghai um, talking here as a guest, guest speaker a few years ago, and he was composing music for a symphony orchestra. And at one point, he said, you know, in the trouble that we orchestra composers have is we wonder, are we writing Chinese music? He said, well, of course I'm Chinese, so I must be writing Chinese music, but I never think of the music I write as Chinese. This is what I think of as Chinese music. And he puts on a recording of the Chin playing Wine Madness um, and says, now that's Chinese. And what am I writing? Is it something else? Well, oh, the Chin is the sort of the symbol of Chinese music, for better or for worse, um, for many people. And um, indeed, it is a, um, an indigenous Chinese instrument. It didn't come from anywhere else. And um, for a long time, the Chin rejected, and, and its players rejected foreign influences on their music. Um, but foreign music has played an important role in China for at least a couple of thousand years. And one of the best known sources of foreign music that has come into China from an early time has been the music of Buddhism, which spread from um, India around through Central Asia by the Silk Road and around Southeast Asia by ocean-going ships and in, came from both directions and reached China. Um, Buddhist music spread from China into Japan and Korea. I should say Korea and Japan, of course, because Korea was the stepping stone to Japan, and uh, down into Vietnam. And so Buddhist music tends to be similar in many ways in all of those countries, but especially in terms of musical instruments, because the musical instruments of Chinese and Korean and Japanese Buddhism tend to be pretty similar. So I'm going to show you musical instruments used in Japanese Buddhist ceremonies. They're also used in Chinese Buddhist ceremonies. And once more, here we go. So you can get some idea of some of the instruments that are used. He's playing a bell. As the monks walk in. This is a village temple, and the lay people are burning sticks of incense in honor of their ancestors in a ceremony that's done late in the summer every year.
There's a very elaborate altar. There's offerings of light and incense, things that smell good, cloth that feels good, offerings of water and food, and offerings of the sound of musical instruments and singing. What are the musical instruments that are used in Buddhist ceremonies? Well, we'll find out more about them tomorrow.